Welcome to Dropping In, a podcast of storytelling and interviews with your host, Winter Olympian Mercedes Nickel. Thank you all so much for dropping in today. This is Series 6, where we are talking to athletes to see what it was like on the road. Series 6 is going to be a lot of fun. I've got a great guestless lineup. We'll see how they dealt with things on the road. And I know there's a lot of funny stories out there. Thank you so much for dropping in on episode 51. Now let me introduce the guests that we will be dropping in with today. This guest has had her ups and downs with injuries, very similar to a lot of athletes, but she literally jumps over hurdles. In 2011, leading up to the London 2012 Games, Winter Olympic, uh, Summer Games, sorry, I'm so used to saying Winter Olympic Games, uh, the London 2012 Olympic Games, she had a stress fracture in her left femur, but that did not stop her. She qualified for those games for the 400-meter hurdles, and qualifying into the semifinals. She has a degree in physical education and health from the University of Toronto. In 2015, she took home the silver medal at the Pan American Games. She started the Believe Initiative, a program that teaches resilience and self-belief to young people. Also, her and her friend Sam Effa competed in The Amazing Race Canada. This daughter-friend Pan-American medalist, Pan-Medalist, Olympian, motivational speaker, founder of the Believe Initiative, amazing race participant, who has got some good stories for us, I'm sure, about on the road. Let me introduce Sarah Wells. Hello. Hi, lovely. How are you? I'm so great. How are you? I'm good. Very nice to see you. Good to see you too. Okay, so dropping in, we are going to start with you so the listeners can get to know you a little bit better with the infamous never rapid rapid fire question. Of course, of course. Are you ready? Can't wait. Okay, number one, what was the one thing that you had to travel with for your sport? Ooh, peanut butter. <laughs> So my pre-race ritual was a peanut butter and banana sandwich, okay. and I ate it before every race for like a decade straight. And it was just like complex enough in terms of it had fats, carbohydrates, proteins. It was super easily digestible. Um, and like I knew if I had to throw it up later because I was so nauseous from running so hard, it didn't burn, <laughs> you know? And, oh. Um, is that awful? Is that a terrible way to start? Um, no, I, mean, I, the, I went straight to orange juice and yes, how much yes. that sickening, right? That is not a good, that's not a good one. And, and our, as a 400 meter hurdler, you go to like lactic threshold extreme. So it is a very frequent occurrence where I run to the point my body is shutting down and I will expel whatever I ate earlier that day. So, um, so yeah, peanut butter, banana sandwich, and this may be shocking, but it's like, that's not a thing peanut butter, just not a thing in Europe really mm -hmm. at all. So it's like impossible to find. So you have to like travel with it all the time because, um, yeah, it's hard to find. What kind of peanut butter did you take? So always smooth. And like, I don't think I had like a huge, like, you know, whether I had it as craft or I had the like all natural, it's like, okay. You know, how, how big was my budget that month? You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I hear you. But, uh, certainly like, 
definitely smooth, like no crunchy stuff. Like I don't want that happening. You know, again, (laughs) that's funny because, um, at my last Olympics, I brought my own bread and peanut butter and honey. Oh, so you're not alone there. You're not alone. No, it's, it's necessary. It's an integral Olympic food. I think (laughs) for sure. Awesome. Okay. Number two, who do you think would be the most high profile contact in your phone right now? I don't even know. Um, I mean, potentially a, I don't even know. Like I have. Um, it's funny because I don't think of like us as high profile, but exactly. I'm like, well, I mean you, I guess maybe, um, I don't know. Um, like you have a lot of amazing humans in your life that I have so many amazing humans in my life. Like whether it's from like corporate executives who have become mentors of mine that like, you know, could be considered high profile, but it's like, they're such humans to me because they've just like Mm -hmm. become such incredible mentors. Like, you know, some, someone like that, like, and there's like some people that I can think of, but, um, then yeah, like all of our Olympic friends, which like, you know, sounds funny because we feel like we're like, Oh, you don't know? Like, 20 Olympians, like hundred percent, like they're everywhere. And they're like, they're nowhere. You can't find Olympians anywhere. I'm like, oh, yeah. they're riddled across this world. Um, but <laughs> that's yeah. just like our reality. Yeah, um, yeah. Gosh. It's a tricky one. It's such a tricky one. What do other people answer? Like other uh, Anna, Anastasia like- said Tessa virtue. Ooh, nice. That's a good one. That's a good one. Yeah. Um, oh my God. Okay. I'm going to say, um, I'm going to say, so a mentor of mine that has been absolutely amazing is, um, the chief marketing officer for RBC and her name is Mary. And she has been like, again, just like an incredible mentor. Um, and shout out Mary. Yeah. Right. Shout out to Mary. Um, (laughs) but I feel like she's pretty, can I, can I swear a little bit? She's pretty badass. And like, I feel like, you know, that lady's like, yeah, someone I very much admire and think is doing cool stuff. And like, yeah, somehow she lets me be a mentee. It's <laughs> awesome. It's good. That's good. It's a good answer. That was a very hard question. I'm like, oh my God, like so many cool people. It's hard to like narrow down like the highest profile. I don't know. I know. I know. It's pretty funny. Um, okay. Let's bring it down to something that might be a little easier. What is the top song or playlist that you're listening to right now? Oh, okay. Well, Spotify would tell you that it's the focus playlist on Spotify because that's like on every minute of every day while um, you work now. Yes. Um, It's just like, it's nice and calming. It it gets you like in the zone. So that's good to know. I never, I've never heard of that one. You just type in focus and then it's, it's game. There's like a ton um, and mine would be the focus acoustic. That's the one I love the most. (laughs) Um, So yeah, Spotify would tell you that, but I also have an absurd obsession with Justin Bieber songs. Like not necessarily for him himself, um he's fine but I just think his songs are so catchy and like it makes me so jolly when I listen to Justin Bieber songs often when we kick off with events like I'll always play you know especially in a virtual event where you got to get like the energy up yeah um, yeah I'm like known to put on a Justin Bieber song and you know not everyone is a Justin Bieber lover so uh I got some I got some hate for that <laughs> but do they really like not love him or are they just like putting on a front yeah right that's no, pretty great pretend they don't like it like i'm too cool i don't like just yeah exactly exactly too funny uh number four now if you could go back would you rather be a winter olympian or an olympian um so i probably would still pick summer olympian 
because I am a baby in the cold. I am like, <laughs> I see why I navigated towards warm summer sports because, okay, you out there on the hill for hours training, like decked out, like how do your toes not just like fall off? Like, yeah, I, have had know, I, I don't think I could do it. I don't think I'm tough enough to endure the winter. And I must say, like all the training camps we get to do that are like in Turks and Caicos, in St. Kitts, in Jamaica, right. you know, it's like, I'm not saying no to that, you know, in the dead of winter heading down south, like count me in. So um, I think I would go with summer sports largely for just the weather. <laughs> you kind of sold me on that a little bit. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> no, it's okay. Uh, awesome. Number five, if you were invisible, what is the first thing that you would do? I mean, you know how like you ask for feedback because you genuinely want to get better. You really, really do. Yes. And people are like, no, that was great. Like, you know, I'm a speaker and and I I feel like people always give such positive like feedback that it's like maybe if I was invisible, I would try to attend more like debriefing things of things I was a part of to get like a true, more true understanding. And not everyone holds back, you know, some feedback, but it's an uncomfortable thing to have that. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't know if this is the only thing I would do, but it's the first thing that comes to mind. Maybe, yeah, you know, it's just awesome. like the nature of today. Um, but I would, I would love to like, you know, have people have uninhibited feedback around like, here's how you can get better. Here's what I think you should do um, for whether it's, you know, building my business or speaking or whatever. And I think it would be it would be interesting to like. That's like a that's like a total athlete answer. I think. Like we, I feel like we always want feedback. I'm like, okay, what I'm now? Sorry. Help me. Yeah, yeah I just want to get better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. More, more, more. How do I do better? Yeah. Uh, number six out of ten. Big city or small town? Big city for me. Um, you currently live in Toronto. I do currently live in Toronto. Yeah. And I think I just like like busyness. Like I'm I'm a person who. Yeah, like doesn't doesn't just like sit and read all day like I can't do that it just doesn't fulfill me and I need there to be like motion and and things and scurrying and so um yeah I think for me big city but but I would like access to like you know yeah calm remote at do you go, do you go to up like north to cottages and stuff like that yeah I love yeah. a cottage experience yeah. and and so like for for like a segment of time that is like so necessary and yeah. Um, yeah, love, love a good cottage trip and especially in the summer. Cause I love the warm weather, as you know, <laughs> yeah. There you go. but yeah, nice. Number seven, what is the biggest risk that you think that you've taken so far? <sighs> Probably. Um, so when COVID hit and I know we haven't got into what the believe initiative is yet, but, um, I ran an organization called the believe initiative and we help students build resilience and self-belief. And we were doing that in person. And we were doing that in person through schools and teachers. And when COVID hit and everything went AWOL and like teachers were super overwhelmed, it was hard to get them to put anything else on their plate because they simply like were just so overwhelmed trying to like get students like through this chaotic time period. Yeah. And we made a choice to completely change the way our program runs and had been working and we had done two years of 20 stop tours and we were growing and we were gaining momentum and then all of a sudden we said okay teachers are overwhelmed what if we just switch this whole thing and we actually went to students and we reformatted our programming so that it actually targets students less school less teachers and maybe we could do it this way and like we just mm -hmm. threw out a system that worked that we knew worked and um 
completely like on a whim said like, let's go for it. And, you know, since that day have like nearly tripled our numbers and um, it's, yeah, was, was frightening because it could have been very, very wrong and gone down an epic dark path, but it was at this point, now I know worth it. <laughs> Totally. Oh, really proud. I'm such a proud friend that 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 has soared and taken off. And we will talk a little bit more about it for sure. Um, okay. After retirement, has your view on the Olympics changed at all? Yeah. And and I think my view on the Olympics changed from the second that you know you become an Olympian because mm-hmm. you think that there's like this doorway you're gonna walk through. Like once I become an Olympian. Now I'm going to go from this dull land of like who I am now to this like majestic, bright, shining lights, like everything Olympian world, you know, like that's where I'm going. And then I honestly, and like, I'm sure you have a story like this as well for the first time you made the Olympics. It was like the build up to the race, the Olympic trials, everything. Like it was just so much pressure, so much stress. And you're just working towards this thing for like a decade leading into this. And then I remember you know, running the race and qualifying for the Olympics. And then I left the track and I went to Pizza Hut. <laughs> pizza. <laughs> You're like, I'm like, just a normal person. I'm hungry. And like, not even the act of going to Pizza Hut, but like just literally sitting there and being like, I did it. Like, yeah, box checked. Like, uh, but I'm sitting here. I, I could be sitting here eating this pizza, whether I did or did not make the Olympics. And so like, this all feels so weird because- I checked the box, but this day literally feels no different than it did yesterday. Yeah. And it's just like, I think we all do that for our own um, achievements and awards and accolades. We hope career and salary number and status and title we want where we like assume a certain new door explodes open when we get it. And I think- And I still got a truck on. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And like, you finally get the thing and- my perspective suddenly realized that like, yeah, Olympians are normal people that yesterday is no different than today, even after you make it. Mm-hmm. And while it does open, I'm not saying it didn't provide opportunity and open some doors hundred percent. It did over time. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it, it wasn't like the, I didn't need that in order mm-hmm. to be able to move forward or even have some of the things I had today. Like it absolutely helped, but mm-hmm. I didn't need it. And I think I had the perspective that I had to become an Olympian or that Olympians like like we're the gatekeepers of this magical world. And it's like, oh, that's not true at all. <laughs> Surprise, we're just humans. Yeah, exactly, exactly. That are very focused and driven and passionate. <laughs> yeah, and a little bit insane. <laughs> I love that. No, that's that's super I, I do love hearing everyone's understanding of what the Olympics are to them now. And and I and I I love that outlook for sure. Yeah. <laughs> It's not all uh, stars and red carpets. Yeah. And I think also the people that you surround yourself with humble you as well. Like yeah, my friends absolutely. here, they don't care that I'm Olympian. And I love that because I went to high school with them. They're just like, yeah, you're Mercedes. I'm like, yeah. 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 hundred percent. Yeah. But <laughs> they forget. Okay. They're, like, they're like, sometimes I just like don't realize that you did that stuff. It's like, I yeah, you and me both. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Totally. Oh, so funny. Okay. Uh, number three. I'm sorry. Number three. Number nine. Almost there, almost there. Uh, okay. Best way to travel, like airs, planes, automobiles. Like, I mean, airs, cars, this? planes, trains, or like what? What do you mean? Yeah, like plane, train, first class. 
private jets. I mean, sure. If I, if I could fly first class everywhere, hundred percent count me in, but, um, my, the, like for sure plane, if it's somewhere very far, I would prefer not to take a like five day train ride. Yeah. Um, but also I've never been on a cruise and me I would either. totally be interested in going on a cruise sometimes. So like you know, a, big ship or a little ship, I've been on a cruise down the Nile and it was only a 12 person ship. Like I'm not, I think I would like a big ship, but I don't know that I would. A twelve-person ship? Yeah, like a little, a little, a little one. So you went on like you went on a yacht? <laughs> <laughs> no, well, I don't know. I don't know if people call that a cruise. <laughs> it was a cruise. It was a cru- <laughs> in Egypt. That's amazing. Okay, but are you talking like big, like Disney cruise ship? Yeah, like I think like a big carnival cruise, like you know where you got like endless activities and like all you can eat food all the time. <laughs> Do you think, I know we're getting way off topic, but do you think that you would like go a little stir crazy? Potentially. That's what I think would happen. You, there's only so many times you can run around the ship, but you like dock at different places every day. Don't you? I don't know how it works. To be honest, me either. I've never been. Can't wait to take a cruise with you. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Cool. Let's talk. Number 10. The last one. Top three places that you have traveled to. Ooh, top three. Okay, well, I thought Beijing was pretty cool and also very timely because the Beijing Olympics are coming up. Um, mm-hmm. But I went there for the World Junior Championships for track and field, which was like so interesting to me because it was also early in my career. So I had never really, I hadn't done a lot of international travel yet um, as like a junior athlete. And so it was just like so eye opening of like, whoa, like look at this other side of the world. Like it's like so different than where I'm from. So yeah. um, that was really interesting. And I also really appreciated the shopping in Beijing, there was a lot. Oh, really? Of oh my God. Endless shopping. So much shopping. And you go to these markets and it has like designer everything at like a third of the price. Um, and yeah, just like really, really fun times. Um, another place that I've loved. Um, oh, I do think Turks and Caicos is like one of the most magical, majestic places I've ever been in my entire life. Just like the bluest of blue ocean, the whitest of white sand, these like, just like gorgeous beach homes that you're like, who, who lives here? <laughs> um, so that is pretty special. Yeah. And then, oh, well, Australia for many reasons, my sister moved there and I think, you know, that plays a role in me loving it. Um, mm-hmm. And she also has my adorable little four-year-old niece who has an Australian accent, which makes it pretty special as oh, well. Cute. Um, but also Australia is like, so interesting that they are, you know, they're very North American, I would call them like in the sense that there's so many Canadians and Americans over there as like expats that have gone over and so um, their lives there now, but they have this like amazing culture of like, you know, of great balance where my sister moved from Toronto, Canada to Sydney, Australia. And she was saying that she's like, yeah, at 5 PM, everyone's out the door. Like everyone yeah. is grabbing a drink, by the like wharf um like ferry bar before they take their ferry over to their like little peninsula where they live and it's just like perfect balance like they get nine months of summer a year um but it's still a a metropolis like it's still a city and did uh, you compete there at all i actually never competed there which is surprising but um but yeah just trained and so um and now that my sister's there forever um, I've visited there twice as well. So have you gone during COVID 
I mean, that's almost impossible. No, I have not. <laughs> yeah. Because tickets are like $9,000. It's crazy. Absolutely insane. Um, okay, well, that was the rapid fire. Never rapid. Thank you for being part of it. <laughs> of course, of course. Hi, I'm Steve Yurko. And I'm Tara Sands. Now available from Maji Media is our new podcast, Four Kids Flashback. Four Kids is the company who brought you the English dub of Pokemon in the late 90s and so many other shows like Yu-Gi-Oh!, Shaman King, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Kirby, the infamous One Piece dub, and so many more. We'll be talking to the people who worked at Four Kids. Actors, directors, writers, editors, producers, engineers, you get the point. And hopefully get the answers to questions both you and I have about the company. I actually worked there as a voice actor on some of the shows. And I was a kid watching the shows and remember way more than Tara does. And thank God for that. Steve is actually a professional storyboard artist, which gives some really unique insights into anime and animation. Subscribe today wherever you get your podcasts. That's the number four kids flashback. So let's get into like some on the road stories. Obviously you, um, spent probably what how many years on the road would you say going to competitions and training like 15 years so 15 years of your life living out of suitcase now um were you guys split up as a team like women's athletics and men's athletics or were you all together no track and field actually does everyone together so um because our our sport like well the men's and women the men and women do compete separately like on the starting line yeah. your events always take place like on the same day or like on the same um, time period. So um, we traveled together and from that was the case from when I was a youth junior and then, you know, pro athlete. Okay. And then, so you're on the road with the guys at like, while you're just recovering, you're not in the gym on the track. What are you guys getting up to? Gosh. Shenanigans. Like, yeah, for sure. Like, <laughs> I'm sure you did this too. Like, we're, like you learned every card game under the sun. Like you're, yeah. and like the game of spoons is a dangerous game. Yet I don't know what you like. Do you ever play spoons? I don't know what this is. Okay, so you have to get four of a kind in your hand, and you like you pick up a card, and then you like put one down. Oh, pick up a, a card, card, put one game. down, and you have to try to get. And your the cards are just going around the big circle. For someone okay. has like the deck, the pile, and then as soon as you get four in your hand, you grab a spoon, and there's enough spoons for everyone except for one person. And so okay. you have to like grab a spoon and if you don't get a spoon, then you're eliminated. And then, so then now you take another spoon out because your next round is one less person. So it's like won. musical chairs with spoons and It's cards. like musical chairs with the spoons. But this is the most dangerous game on the road. Like people are going to lose eyeballs. People are getting cuts all over their hands. Like, oh my God. Oh my God. And, and the hilarious thing is we played so many games of spoons, yeah. but it's like, when you think about track and field, it is like reaction time, nervous mm -hmm. system firing, like, you know, a lot of sports and require your nervous system to be like full fire yeah and uh when I think back to that it's like why were we at international like competitions or like training camps where we've just like absolutely crushed ourselves then depleting our nervous system even further <laughs> from playing this damn game um I love it but yeah I totally remember a ton of card games spoons specifically yeah um and then just like silly stuff like right now you know shout out felicia george um her and i room together a lot in um like the few years we were training together and <laughs> we just do silly stuff like we named a fly in our room that we could not get rid of george <laughs> we were like where's george right now where do you think george is oh my gosh um then just like you know doing 
hair. She taught me about some makeup. She's she's amazing at makeup, but I'm not good at makeup. Oh, you know what? That just brought up a memory of me. Like, obviously, I'm a natural blonde, everyone. <laughs> Um, I think I started dyeing my hair like on the road thanks to one of my teammates. Oh my god, that's so funny. Yeah, like did you use the box dyes? Yeah, and I still do. Did they ever go rogue? Did you ever have like purple hair? I currently have a little pink in there. Oh, Cute. I had like everything. I had like stripes and I had pink at in um Sochi I had like bright pink tips yeah just that's do a little bit of everything that's so funny that it's so funny, funny how like you'll say something and then i'll be like oh yeah yeah right 20, 15 20 years on the road is like a lot of memories and it's always hard to like pick oh totally certain like, ones that come out yeah you even asked that question like man what else did we do <laughs> but like well, yeah i know um anastasia brought up that that they played Catan. well she did not play Catan, but her teammates played Catan. and oh yes we definitely started bringing that on the road. Got the expansion pack. Oh yeah, you got to get the expansion pack. So I would like refuse to play. I'm I'm with Anastasia on that because, <laughs> like, I would lose friends while playing that game because you're like, oh, you bought her wheat. Are you kidding me? Totally. Like, it's just like, oh my god, calm down. This is a game, Sarah. Relax. But like, you know, the competitive spirit in us, like, we can't let go. It would be pretty funny to get like a room of Olympians in and just playing board games. Because I think that the the freaking like competitiveness would still come out so yeah. hard. <laughs> 100%. Okay, let's talk about um, the amazing race and you and Sam. Obviously, yes. good friends worked at RBC together. You guys were like my two favorites um, in the Toronto office because I was working in the Vancouver office. Yes. yes. Um, how was that? And because <laughs> we're talking about travel stories, there's got to be some good stories in there as well. God, there's like probably a bazillion. Um, Anything that you got to interview Sam too, by the way, because I'm yeah. sure he'll have some different memories. It'd be interesting to see what, what he would come up with. Right. Um, so, like the first story that comes to mind for us, I mean, yes, how was it? Insane, like okay. absolutely insane. You don't like eat, sleep, pee, drink water, eat food for like weeks on end. <laughs> like, you know, as Olympic athletes, you would assume that you you know, stress, you know, yeah. pressure, you know what it's like to be under crunch time. Yeah. Yeah. You know what it's like to do all those things? Well, hydrated, well rested, perfectly prepared, like, you know, with our full support system around us, like that's how we know this is not that <laughs> it is like literally trying to strip away like every element that could be leaned on. Like you don't sleep. You're barely eating because you're rushing around. You're, you don't talk to your family because you can't tell anyone what's happening. So that you actually are like cut off from the rest of the world. Like you have to like fall off the face of the earth. Oh um, and so you have none of those things as, you know, tools <laughs> during yeah. this time. And um, a story that comes to mind is just like our first leg of the race. Again, we thought we knew pressure. We thought we knew stress. Like we've got this. And in yeah. the first leg of the race, it was like, we instantly realized like, we do not got this. <laughs> like, we went from like, within the first challenge, we were, we were like nearly dead last. Like, I think we were like ninth or 10th out of 10. And we weren't just like ninth or 10th out of 10 by like, you know, 10 minutes. We were like two hours behind. Um, and so we were like, oh my God, we're going to be the, the athletes who like are supposed to be good. And then we get eliminated on the first leg. Like, oh my God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, eventually like luckily that leg of the race actually takes place over two days because we ended up traveling like a night flight over and then we ended up touching down in our next location and on that plane ride we like had like a pep talk um and we were like okay 
we need to remember that we are in control and this race makes you feel like your hands are tied, but like we are absolutely like we've got this. We like made notes to ourselves in little notebooks and then we like took it from there. And then we actually went from like dead last by like two hours. And then we actually ended up getting second after yes. that leg of the race and like nearly won the leg. Honestly, it was amazing. I love it. So um, yeah, that was, a, it was just a wild ride. Wild how ride. how was your relationship before with Sam? Like, were you guys best friends or just acquaintances <laughs> or you were like on the road we playing spoons together? Like, like we were, we were certainly not the level of friends we are now. But, yeah. <laughs> um, we were, like, we were good friends. Like I would call on Sam, like he could call me up, like a story that, that I know that Sam will tell a lot is like when he first moved to Toronto, he moved from Calgary and he didn't really know anyone in Toronto, but he had come here and got hip surgery. So he couldn't like drive. He couldn't sit very long. He couldn't go anywhere. Mm -hmm. And so he had to go to physio one day. And I think his roommate was like out of town or like, wasn't going to be there. And we like barely knew each other. And this was like, Oh God, like 12 years ago. And he's like, Hey, so I moved to Toronto and, um, I have to go to physio. I just got hip surgery. Could you drive me there? Bless his heart for asking for help. No, so sweet. But, um, you know, I, I, I could totally hear, I could hear him like saying that. Yeah. <laughs> no, and, like, Sam's voice is like the most genuine, like anytime yeah. anyone meets Sam, like you're like, Oh, I'll, whatever you need, like whatever oh, you, you need, need help. Yes. I will help you. Yeah. yeah totally. <laughs> so I, I like pick what, picked him up yeah and, and he didn't live like super nearby it was like you know 25 minutes away when right. like picked him up then drove him back towards my house to go drive him to his physio um and then I like brought him inside like helped him like go inside and yeah. then I was like his mom like I was like all right well I'll, I'll go I'll go sit in the car and uh, uh let you, your you let me know when you're done and oh, so God. and then I drove him home and so like our first like interaction was already I think just like bonding you know he was like in this moment he's like here by himself and like you know I was so happy like people I think get worried about asking for help because you think you're such a burden to others but like I was so honored that he would ask me and it's like so fulfilling to be able to help someone else yeah um, and so like you said like good for Sam for asking for help and I think you know Sam teaches us a good lesson in that moment um, <laughs> for sure. um you know asking for help when you need it because it's it's not actually always a burden because it was really nice and and it actually you know it was the budding essence of our friendship. So I know. I um, love it. I love that you guys yeah. did Amazing Race Canada together. When I saw you guys were going up, I was like, of course they are. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty funny. So perfect. Let's just quickly touch on the Believe Initiative because I really believe in it. Was that that was the name? <laughs> um, I think it's awesome what you've come up with and that let let the people know what what it is and what it's all about. Yeah. So the Believe Initiative is an organization that I originally founded um through, you know, what it's the principal message behind it was that you don't build self-belief through achievements, but you build it through action. And because of, you know, you, you just asked me that question at the beginning of today of like, did your perspective on being an Olympian change once you became an Olympian? Mm -hmm. Yes, absolutely. It did. And I think we can all do this where we assume that we'll have more confidence, we'll be better leaders, we'll have more blah, 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 when we achieve insert goal here. Mm -hmm. And I believe that we think that we'll be, have more belief, more confidence, more whatever when we get there. And, and we forget that like simply just the pursuit of that goal is actually what's going to build us into being better leaders, having more confidence, like blah, 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 blah. And so, um, yeah, using my own story of one time 
having an injury, overcoming it, believing in myself, and then making the Olympics. And I was mm -hmm. like, great, believe in yourself, achieve your goals. That was one time. But the second time, <laughs> I then believe in myself. I'm a four-time national champion. I'm a like top 10 in the world. And I actually tear my hamstring just before the Olympics, and I don't qualify. Yeah. And so from that point forward, I, I actually took a ton of time to reflect and realized I believed in myself more strongly after not making the Olympics, even more so than when I did. And that's when this whole premise of like, okay, well then I believe in myself more strongly, even after not making the Olympics, yeah. then you don't build self-belief through achievements, you build it through action. And so I was like, let me help other young people build self-belief through action. So we actually launched Believe Chapters at schools all across Canada. And in these chapters, students learn leadership lessons like resilience, discipline, um, confidence, creative problem solving, like stuff that, you know, we've learned through sport. And they, the students then learn those lessons and then apply them to believe passion projects, which are where they take a passion they have and a problem they want to solve. They use their passion to solve that problem and they build self-belief through action. So it all ties together and these students do incredible things. Um, and, you know, like I was saying before, we used to do this in schools, in person, through teachers and in their classrooms. Right. But now we've actually changed it to the chapters take place. Um, the students run them after school as like a club and awesome. we've been able to like you know exponentially grow our numbers because these students are like they're so hungry for leadership opportunities right now like they're so passionate about making a difference in the world like there's just like there's so much enthusiasm in this space that like continues to inspire me to be like okay what else can we do how else yeah. can we get the word out awesome um, so good thanks so I yeah know. no it's been going well and we've been um, I keep telling everyone who will listen to me <laughs> that my goal is to be in a thousand schools in three years, which feels wild <laughs> and a huge goal, but you know, so is making the Olympics. So why not put it? And how, there, many, right? how many schools are you currently in? So we're in 54 schools right now awesome. and we want to get to a thousand in three years, which I, be I believe in you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, well, so if we can help spread the word, where can people find this online and as well as you online? So um, for the Believe Initiative program in general, you go to believeinitiative.com. There's a lot of vowels, so be careful. Um, and then if you're looking to follow up on anything myself or speaking or um, learning more just about the different things I'm involved in, then you can go to sarahwells.ca or my social media handle is this thing right here, at sarahwells400mh, which is like 400 meter hurdles, which I really regret that social media handle. <laughs> So long. So that long. Is, no, but that's the funny thing when people bring on their their where can we find you and then I get the behind stories as to like what their handle is all about. And uh, <laughs> it's awesome. It's kind of like I'm older. So it's like having my first email address was like snowboarder 75 or something. Yeah, like right. That. And you're right. like, really? I was 12. Cool, cool, cool. <laughs> Sarah, thank you so much for dropping in today. I can't wait to um, play spoons with you. Yes. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Thanks, Mercedes. Awesome. Thanks so much for dropping in today. You can find everything you want to know about dropping in with Mercedes at droppinginwithmercedes.com. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube. Thanks, DJ Kenosis, for the music and my mom for the intro voice. Hi, I'm Emma.
Emily Roger, and I host a leadership show called The Boiling Point with my co-host, Dave Vale. Together, we sit down with trailblazing entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and movement makers who are driving meaningful change in our world. The show is all about exploring the lives and perspectives of leaders who are making a difference. Join us for insightful conversations that challenge the status quo, spark new ideas, and inspire you to take action. Find us on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, or at BoilingPointPodcast.com. I'm Matt Kundal, host of the Sound Off Podcast, the show about podcast and broadcast. Since 2016, we've been speaking with amazing people who have populated your ears for decades. Legendary broadcasters, research wizards, talent experts, podcasters, voice talent. Almost 400 stories, all for free. Subscribe or follow the Sound Off Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at soundoffpodcast.com.